I am the Good Shepherd. I know my sheep, and my own know me. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Believe and live. This is the Gospel of John. When I originally moved out west, uh, 2007, I packed up my truck and, and moved out here um, with sort of this expectation that I had a job lined up. Uh, I knew someone who knew someone who uh, had this construction management job that was all lined up for me. So I, I drove all the way west with everything I owned and uh, expecting everything just to work out smoothly. And when I, I moved out here, um, I, I called up my contact and there was no answer. I couldn't get a hold of him. And for about two weeks, I tried almost every day to get a hold of this guy. And, and I started to, to get a little bit desperate, right? I started to, the bill started to mount up. I wasn't working. And so, so then I started to sort of drop off resumes everywhere I could. Uh, but there was no response. It was like all the doors were all of a sudden closed. Um, I've even found myself applying for jobs that I, I would have had no interest in whatsoever, but I was just becoming so desperate for work uh, that I'm dropping off more and more resumes only to have the doors closed time and time again. Uh, after about a month, uh, and, and I'm really starting to need work at this point, uh, I, I try calling the original contact one more time, one last ditch effort, and sure enough, he picks up the phone, and the next day I'm at work. But it turns out that the job was very different than what I initially thought. I thought I was going for a management job, but uh, I was actually just a grunt. I ended up spending my days uh, raking gravel, cleaning up garbage, uh, walking around the sites, and, and that was about it. And um, Now normally, if, if, if I had gotten the job the first day I showed up when I moved out west, I would have quit. I'd have been done. This isn't what I signed up for, and I would have left. Um, but because I was so humbled and desperate after a month of searching, uh, I was just so thankful to have a job of any kind that I stuck with it. And it turned out to be a really crucial season in my life. Uh, just because it was such menial work, I was able to listen to like four to five sermons every day at work. And it was really formative for me in my life and in my theology. Uh, and then as the year went on, it provided me enough flexibility that I was able to take uh, this part-time internship at a church. Uh, and that internship actually turned into my first full-time ministry position. And so it was amazing how God had orchestrated all of this in my life, where I had to go through that month of, of pain, of waiting, of struggle, to humble me enough to stick with this job that I needed to have so he could put me in a place uh, where he could get me in the ministry that he wanted me. I wouldn't, it wouldn't have happened, though, had it not been for the pain and the waiting. God had to slow me down, humble me, and make me wait. Um, and we're going to see that this is the way that God often operates in our lives, uh, to sort of thwart our plans uh, and to force us to wait on Him. So we're going to pick up the text here in John chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and Martha, uh, Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
Um, so this event is going to take place. Jesus knows that this illness, this suffering exists. It's here for the sake of the glory of God. Something amazing is going to happen, even though they're all panicked and, and desperate. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Um, now, that shocked me when I first really read it, right? Jesus loved these sisters. He loved Lazarus. And it says in verse 6, so, what did he do? He stayed put. He loved them, so he didn't rush to Lazarus. He stayed put. He slowed down. He made them wait. Then after this, his disciples, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. His disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again? So at the end of chapter 8, we see Jesus makes this bold claim that he, you know, I am. Right? They pick up stones to throw at him. He escapes. Uh, and now he's wanting to go back. He's going back to Jerusalem. He's risking that because of the love that he has for Lazarus and his sisters. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Um, Jesus' commentators, I think, are, are making a, a sort of a veiled statement just about the work day, right? And that the work day ended really when the sun went down. So he's sort of saying that his time is still here, right? The, the light is starting to fade. His time is coming to a close on earth, but he still has work to do. The light is still shining in his day. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. But his disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant he was taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. Um, I find there's a little bit of humor here. I think Jesus is trying to be subtle. Uh, you know, he's saying, hey, Lazarus has fallen asleep. He's trying to be polite about it. The disciples don't get it. And so then Jesus has to come out and be really blunt. No, Lazarus is dead. Um, verse 15. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you might believe. So that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Uh, at first I used to think that was die with Lazarus, but actually I think what Thomas is saying, let's go so that we can die with Jesus. They, they sort of figure if Jesus is going to Jerusalem, he's probably going to die. And Thomas is making a statement which sort of says, you know what, let's go. Let's go die with Jesus. If Jesus is going to get killed, let's go get killed with him. Um, and the fact is though that when rubber hit the road, they all fled. Right? When Jesus was coming to that point, they all fled and left him. So what we see here that I think is really important is that Jesus waited. He heard that Lazarus was ill. He loved Lazarus. He loved his sisters. He knew that this was for glory. Um, and so he slowed down. He waited. He waited until Lazarus was good and dead, confirmed dead, definitely dead. But you can imagine in those days... I mean, how did that feel for Mary and Martha, right? As they're calling for Jesus. And we know how the story ends, that Jesus comes and he does raise Lazarus from the dead. But in those days before he raises Lazarus, there's got to be agony. Why did you wait? Why didn't you rush here? In fact, later we're going to see the sister say, Lord, if you were only here, he wouldn't have died. But Jesus waited intentionally because he loved them. He caused them more pain because... He loved them and he wanted to show them something greater. 
See, the, the miracle that Jesus actually performed therefore confirmed the faith of his disciples and friends with dramatic power that would have been lacking if Jesus had responded immediately. If Jesus had listened to their immediate cry, they would not have seen the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Or maybe it would have been disputed because he hadn't been dead long enough. God's love for us means that sometimes he's going to make us wait. Um, Now for me, that word wait is a four-letter word. I, I hate waiting. Ask my parents, ask my wife, ask my kids. It drives me nuts. But, you know, just like in the first story, sometimes um, God has to force me to wait, to slow down, to humble me, to really hear what's going on, to stop running out ahead of myself and ahead of him, but to slow down and actually hear his voice. But I think too often we base our understanding of God's love for us on the immediate right? What is going on in my life right now? What is God doing about this today? Why isn't he fixing it now? And and I think sometimes we base our love or his love for us based on what he's doing in the moment. But often Jesus will make us wait because there's something better. There's something bigger. There's something more important that's to come. Uh, Romans 8.28 says that uh, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And now, for Mary and Martha, when Lazarus had died, that may have sounded like a platitude, right? That kind of an idea of, oh, God will work this out. Um, but a few short days later, they understood. They could see what God was doing. They understood why Jesus waited, even though it caused them pain. And so I think sometimes God uses unanswered prayers for good or the answer is no or wait. We, we have to trust him. Again, if God is, Jesus is the good shepherd. If he's the good shepherd and we're trusting his leading, if he is Lord and in charge, will we trust his timeline? Are we willing to wait on him? Because perhaps the point of the season, like it was for me, is not about getting through it. It's not this obstacle that God's just not listening, that we have to just get past it. But rather, there's something in the pain and the trial that God is trying to do in us, with us, through us, around us. Maybe the trial is the point. Jesus waited because he loved them. And so hopefully, maybe for you, that's an encouragement. That, that you feel like there's something in your life that you're waiting on God for and you don't know why he's waiting. But, but as we see here, because he loved them, he waited. It might not feel like good news, but because we trust him, because we know that he cares for us, we know the good shepherd lays down his life for us, his sheep. We know that we can trust him even in the waiting. Let me pray. Jesus, again, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you, you love us as your beloved sheep. And God, help us to trust you. Trust you in the waiting. Trust you when it seems like you're not answering prayers. Trust you when you're not following our timelines. Trust you that there is good coming. God, give us the patience and the peace, the humility to wait on you. And may you be enough in those seasons of waiting. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, again, we're with you. We're for you. Have a great day.